0: So let's turn to the 23rd Psalm. We're going to read the whole thing. It's not very long. It's six verses. We're going to be talking about verse two, green pastures and peaceful waters. That sounds good to me. Green pastures and peaceful waters. Let's read the whole thing. You might want to read along with me. If you've got a new King James, read along. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy, I like this because not cursings and troubles following me, but look, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. Speak to us out of this psalm. Bring to us in a fresh way the shepherdhood of God, the shepherdhood of Christ. and We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I love verse 2, and let me look at it again. He makes me, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. The Lord is whose shepherd? My shepherd. Can we just say it together now? The Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd. You can hear that in David's voice. He's proud of the Lord. He is proud that God was his shepherd. And he's my shepherd. We're going to look at how the shepherd cares for us. First of all, he makes me lie down. He makes me lie down. The better rendering here out of the Hebrew would be he makes it possible. He makes it possible for me to lie down and rest. He makes it possible. Philip Keller in his classic book on the 23rd Psalm states four things that must be present for a sheep to lie down safely and rest. And these are four things that the shepherd takes care of. Here they are, you ready? First one, the sheep must be free from fear. If they're not free from fear, they're not gonna lie down and rest. They're gonna be anxious. They're gonna have angst, always looking around, always uptight. Now remember, he's the shepherd and we're the what? All right, so the count of three, let's let it be known. Ready? One, two, three. Bah! All of us. Yeah. And you know, the sooner you admit that you are a sheep, the easier it's going to be for you to be guided. It's people who think they're so smart, so wise, so brilliant, so gifted, so talented, that they don't yield to the shepherding of the Lord Jesus. But when you just say, Lord, I'm dumb, I'm dumb. I will lose my way without you. I will make terrible mistakes without you. I admit it. I need you to speak to me. I need you to guide me. I'm lost without you. That is the person who begins to be guided by God. It's the proud man, the proud woman to say, don't need you. Don't want you. Thanks for the fire insurance. I'm glad I'm going to heaven someday. But in the meantime, leave me alone. I'm going to live my own life. You're headed for a fall. It won't be long, you'll be saying, bye, help me. So, free from fear. Second, free from friction with other sheep. They've got to be free from friction with other sheep, or they will not lie down and rest. The third thing is they've got to be free from pests. Free from pests. And the fourth thing is they've got to be free from hunger. If they're hungry, they're not going to lie down and rest. If their basic needs are not taken care of, they're not going to lie down and rest. Now, in the real world of sheep, these four things are the shepherd's job to take care of. Now, remember, Jesus called himself the good shepherd. Peter called him the chief shepherd. And in another verse, he's called the great shepherd. So over and over again, Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord of our soul is our shepherd and we've got to start seeing him that way and responding to him that way he's our shepherd and so as i read these four things and elaborate a little bit on these things realize this is the ministry of jesus christ to you and to me he wants to take care of these four things for you and me first of all let's talk about freedom from fear how many of you know that god has not given us a spirit of phobos or tormenting fear Now the fear of the Lord is clean, the psalmist said, enduring forever. But there is an unhealthy fear. It's phobos, phobia, where you're terrified. There is a tormenting fear that has gripped your life. And if you as a sheep are tormented with fear, you're not going to lie down and rest and experience the rest in God that he wants you to have. Real sheep are easily panicked and disturbed. Just get around a herd of sheep and make the slightest noise all of a sudden, and they'll panic. Even a rabbit jumping from behind a bush can send an entire herd of sheep running. They're easily panicked. They're easily frightened. They're easily agitated. A sheep's only defense, when afraid, is to run. That's all those little things will do. They'll run when they're afraid. They'll run. Sheep are constantly under attack in the real world. We read about this in reading about David, and an actual real shepherd learns early on that if the sheep are going to lie down and rest, they've got to see him. They've got to see him. As soon as they see him, when they know he's there, when they see him, when his presence is real, that sheep is not afraid. We read about this in the story when David saw that a lion was attacking the sheep of his father, Jesse, and he's a perfect picture of Jesus. Because the sheep were not his. The sheep were the fathers. They were the fathers. And they came under attack by a vicious, carnivorous, destructive, murderous beast that came to kill them. And it says that an anointing from the Spirit of God, that was absolutely supernatural, came upon David. And with his bare hands, not a sling, not the shepherd's staff, not the shepherd's crook, none of that. His bare hands, with the anointing of God, a Samson-like anointing, he grabbed that bear and grabbed that lion in separate incidents, and with his bare hands slew them and protected his sheep from being murdered. Now, remember, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And what you see in the Old Testament is types and shadows and pictures of what is coming under the new covenant. And when God allowed that to happen with David, I believe God was saying, this is the way my shepherd, my Messiah, will be. The Old Testament pointed to the New Testament realities. The anointing came on David, who was a type of Christ all through the Old Testament, and he protected the sheep. God was saying, that's the way the great shepherd's going to be, that's the way the chief shepherd's going to be, that's the way the good shepherd is going to be. When you get attacked, when anything attacks you, it attacks him. Here's what David was saying. David was saying, you go after that little sheep, you go after me. Because I have been entrusted to watch over these sheep by the Father. Now don't you know that God in heaven has entrusted the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, to watch over his sheep. That's why it is upon him to shepherd us. And it's upon us to say, bah, and let him. Because if you open your life up to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you've opened yourself up to the shepherdhood of Christ. He's going to shepherd you. It's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to give us that special sense of Christ in our hearts when the lion and the bear are attacking. Amen. Have you ever just been driving down the road and been in a spiritual warfare? and been struggling, and you know that the enemy is breathing down your neck, you can feel the hot breath of hell breathing down your neck, you know you're under a spiritual attack, and suddenly there is another presence in that car with you, and it's the Holy Ghost of God. Have you ever been under attack and just opened up the Bible and said, God help me? I mean, listen, you want to know what most of the Psalms can be reduced to? You know what they are? God help me. David just saying, God help me. I'm being attacked, I'm being persecuted, I'm being pursued. There are people after my life. I need your protection. That's why he wrote the 23rd Psalm, because the shepherdhood of God became so real to him. But all of a sudden, there is that presence, and that's the Lord Jesus saying to us, I'm here. And if I'm here, no bear, no lion is going to succeed against you. I'm here. Freedom from fear. Now, the second thing is freedom from friction. Oh, this is a good one. This is a good one for the church. In the animal kingdom, there's always an established order of dominance. Have you ever noticed that? We have three dogs, and I guarantee you there is an established order of dominance. You know what the amazing thing is? The chihuahua has dominated. The chihuahua thinks that he is a shepherd, a German shepherd, and it's an amazing thing. He just has this ferocity about him and it has to have come from being so little he feels he's got to growl and look real mean because he knows he's little so he's got to make it look real bad but he has ended up establishing dominance with a big blonde labrador and with a terrier how do you do that i don't know they talk they cut a deal i don't know how he did it but there is a dominance with chickens it's a pecking order it's real With cattle, it's a horning order. And with sheep, it's a budding order. Now, what are we? It's a budding order. In a real flock of sheep, there will almost always be a domineering old you, E-W-E, you, who bosses the others. She will butt them off of the best grazing land. You ever seen that happen? She'll butt them off the best grazing land because she's wanting to be the alpha sheep. There is a dominance that is established in every flock. Have you ever seen this in churches? Don't look at your neighbor. Look right up at me. But have you ever seen this in churches? Have you ever seen that you can walk into a new church and it's not long before you sense the people who are vying for the top dog position for the dominance and there is a budding that goes on in flocks? Oh, it's all in the name of the Lord. It's all hallelujah, praise the Lord, bless Jesus, this and that and the other. But there is a budding that takes place until there is a a dominance established. That is, of course, unless you let the Lord promote you. And that's the best way, because if he promotes you, you didn't get you there, he got you there. So if he got you there, he keeps you there. If you get you there, you got to keep you there. And that's wearying. All the other sheep, once the order has been established, follow her lead and establish their own turf by intimidation and budding. The others away from the top spots in the pasture. This is so real. And it's this way in churches. And if we say that it's any other way, we're wrong. There are sheep that'll come in and they immediately know exactly what position they want. If they got money, sometimes they try to buy it. If they've got charisma, they try to charm their way in. If they've got a talent, they try to talent their way in. But there is a budding that takes place and there is a friction that takes place and that's where the shepherd comes in. And it's this way in families too. If you've got more than one child, have you ever noticed this? There is a dominance that they seek to establish. If you've got three or four kids, the budding order takes place. Somebody emerges dominant. All the other sheep will follow her lead and establish their own turf. So sheep are constantly having to stand up for themselves to contest and defend their place. So we could say there's a continual fight for who will be the top sheep of the pasture. The only thing that stops this rivalry is again the appearance and presence of the shepherd. Isn't it amazing when Jesus shows up, he takes all of this budding, all of this infighting, all this friction, and he establishes order. This is what our shepherd did in his word. Listen to Ephesians 4.32. He uses the word to establish order. Here it is. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now see, that takes all the fighting, all the vying for position out of the way, and order is established. Because if you're forgiving one another and loving one another and preferring one another, all of this carnality stops. Listen to James. He's talking to believers here. Listen to what he says. In James 4, verse 1, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder. Now he's talking to believers. He's talking to believers. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. You fight and war. Does this sound a little bit like the flock I just described of sheep? You fight And you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and don't receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. So James is talking to the twelve tribes scattered abroad in the persecution that happened in Jerusalem. They've scattered all over the place, and he writes to them and he says, In your flocks, you're murdering, you're fighting, you're battling. Now, didn't you think they were actually shedding blood? I think he's talking about tongue murder, slander, gossip, tail-bearing, whispering. That's, I think, the murder he has in mind. You're slicing and dicing each other all to pieces with your words because you're coveting and you're envious and you're jealous. And I'm going to tell y'all something. Never underestimate the power of envy and the prevalence of envy. I think so much of what happens in Things like flocks and incorporations, businesses out there, happens out of a root of envy and jealousy. Somebody sees the position that God has given you or the favor that God has given you, and they envy you, and they're jealous of you. And so they begin to slice you and dice you, murder you with their tongues. Hebrews 13, 5 says, be content with such things as you have. Translated, or better put, the part of the pasture God has given you. Be content with the part of the pasture that God has given you. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How many times do we see that somebody who is a foot wants to be an eye? Somebody who is a hand wants to be a mouth? Somebody who, you know, is a leg wants to be an ear. And there's always this, I wish that I had that position, that visible position. That position up in front of everybody. I wish that I had a more powerful position. And there is vying that goes on in flocks, y'all. And so that's where we've got to yield to the shepherdhood of of Christ and say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be, as I've talked about before, I'm going to be a turtle on a fence post. You know, and it's that old story. The guy walking along country road sees a turtle on a fence post. How did he get up there? Well, he didn't climb, and he didn't fly, and he didn't jump. There's only one way he got up there. Somebody had to pick him up and put him there. That's the way every church position should be. Everybody in a position in a church, care leader, assistant care leader, pastor, teacher, janitor, doesn't matter. Ought to be a turtle on a fence pose. I didn't put me here. I didn't jump up here. I didn't fly up here. I didn't fight my way up here. A hand put me here. Then there's no threat. There's no threat. All right, freedom from pests, Sheep, especially in the summer, can be driven to absolute distraction and even death by insects and parasites. Kathy and I have told you, we fixed up our backyard. I got me one of those bug zappers. I'm going to tell you a little revelation about the bug zappers. They just don't get rid of them. You're just in an execution that goes on for the whole time you're out. But you still get hugely attacked by mosquitoes. who are just just vicious now, and there's hundreds of them, and they find their way to you. Now, we have found that the only way to get rid of them, we got this candle, this big candle with a big wick, and you light this thing, and smoke comes out. Now, if you can stand the smoke, you're (laughs) mosquito-free. One night I went in, well, mosquito-free, but I can't breathe. But here's the deal. That smoke from that candle keeps the mosquitoes off of you. Here's what the shepherd, and we're going to see this when we get to verse 5. It's one of the best verses in the whole psalm. But it's one of the shepherd's jobs to pour insect repellent on the heads of the sheep. Especially in the summer. Because flies, bot flies, and other kinds of insects, this is gross, but this is true, they'll crawl into their ears, they will lay eggs, the eggs will hatch, and the, the, the larva will come in their ears and begin to crawl around burrow the way down in, into their inner ear and they'll start butting their heads against trees to the point that they're dead if somebody does not anoint their head now I believe this is referring to pests and the pests to me are a picture of thoughts, thoughts. now what is the insect repellent of God it's right here It's right here. Every morning, you know what I do? I anoint my head with oil. You know what? He does it for me. But I allow the Lord to anoint my mind with the oil of the word of God. And it keeps the maddening thoughts, the irritations, the worries, the fears, the doubts, the harassments that come from the enemy that would burrow their ways down into your mind if you didn't have... The anointing from the word of God, and that comes from the great shepherd. Freedom from pests. Freedom from pests. Now, we're going to talk about that more in verse 5. Don't miss that. But say with me, his word and his spirit are what anoints your mind. You need your mind anointed. Last thing you need to do is get up in the morning and turn on Good Morning America or the Today Show. Listen, Katie will not anoint your head with oil. There's only one who can do that. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you'll anoint your head with oil, you'll go through the day very protected against what would have harassed you. Amen. The Bible says, casting all your cares upon him. You ought to do that every day. It's the cares, the fears, the doubts, the irritations of this life that are the insects and the parasites that plague us. So he sends his word and his spirit to repel them. And I mean, it's real. Now, the last one is freedom from hunger. In the Middle East, green pastures don't just happen. If you've ever been there, you know how hot it gets. This would be a cool day at this time of year in the Middle East. I went in where the Dead Sea is, and I went into that area where the area where Elijah supposedly was taken up and uh, raptured out of sight in the presence of Elisha, out there in the middle of that wilderness. And I'm going to tell you, 120 degrees, 125 degrees, you are roasting. You don't see green pastures anywhere. They don't just happen because the pastures were usually dry, brown, sunburned wastelands. So when you saw a green pasture, here's what you knew. A shepherd did that. A shepherd, in David's day particularly, it was the result of hard work on the part of a shepherd. He had done that. They had to clear the land, tear out roots and stumps, then plow and seed the land, then water it and cultivate it. David said, he makes me, my shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures. He knew what that meant. He works hard to see to it that we have green grass. God's work today, though, is not out here. It's in the soil of our hearts. Paul said, it's God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, how does he do it? He moves the stones of unbelief. He pulls out the roots of bitterness. He breaks up our hard hearts of clay. He sows the seed of the Word of God into our hearts. He waters it by His Spirit. He cultivates our inner man until within us there is a cultivated spirit, a cultivated soul, a cultivated heart where His Word is real, His Spirit is living, the life of the Lord is released in us, and it's like green grass. All of this takes place within us. Within us, there becomes a rich pasture of tender grass that brings nourishment and rest to our souls. Now, let me ask you a question. If we were to get a snapshot of your soul, would it look like the dry, brown, barren land in the Middle East that is so often seen there? Or would it look like a rich, green pasture? Now, let me tell you whose door that stops at. Yours. I can feed you on Sunday, and on Wednesday, but you know what? My messages ought to only spur you and ignite within you the motivation and the desire to every day on your own, get up, get with the Lord, worship him in the beauty of holiness, open up this word and feed your own soul until you say, man, he made me today to lie down in green pastures. I've been fed and I'm full. Now, lastly, David said, he leads me to still waters. Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I think it might be put this way. He leads me to unpolluted and peaceful waters. The Bible says to the hungry soul, watch this now and watch out for this. To the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Because of spiritual hunger and thirst, we will often drink from a polluted well. We'll drink from polluted wells. If you're really hungry and really thirsty, and you're not taking it to the Lord, you're going to drink from a polluted well. Jesus alone knows where the clear, unpolluted waters are. Look around you. Look at the news. Just watch the news. I'm going to go ahead and be bold and say it. Listen to Tom Cruise. Just listen to him. My heart goes out to him. Because he made this statement. He said, oh, you can be a Christian and be a Christian scientist. And then told Matt Lauer, as you probably have seen, may have seen, that Matt didn't know what he was talking about. That he had studied psychiatry and all these different things and that Christian science was the answer for him. Let me tell you something. There is a hungry soul drinking from a polluted well. Now, I don't say that critically, judgmentally. I'd be right in there with him if God had not had mercy on me and come to me in the presence of Christ. But there is only one well to drink from. Jesus said... The water that I shall give you will become in you a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And you can't be a Christian scientist and be a believer in Christ Jesus. They conflict. There's only one Lord, one God, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, one word. And it's all summed up in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And when you drink from him, Jesus said, you're never ever going to thirst again. You're going to realize, I don't need any other well. He will do. And so God, in his shepherding of us, leads us, protects us, keeps us free of the parasites and the harassing thoughts, the insects that would invade our minds. And God guides us to the green grass, makes us lie down, takes all the fear out, prepares us, takes care of our hunger, where we can lay down in the green grass and not have any fears, any worries, any hunger, and rest. Just rest and be content in our soul. Amen? Amen. Say with me, He's a good shepherd. Lord, we just thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Lord, that You're the great shepherd, that You lead us to the green grass. You deliver us from fear, from hunger, from conflicts with other people. You bring us to a place where we can rest. And you, Lord, create in us a well that once we drink of the waters of your spirit, we don't need any other well. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name.